here. Uh, this is the service where we do our podcasts, and so we have a lot of people that listen afterwards. Uh, so, so glad that everyone's getting the word in them and, and uh, making sure that you hear from God. It's been a good morning so far, right? Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Well, I'm excited to kick off this new series called A Promise is a Promise, where we're going to be talking about how uh, covenants govern relationships. In God's economy, and we're going to be talking about that. Um, and, and this morning is kind of a primer, uh, kind of a basic um, lesson on what is a covenant. Um, for some of you, this will be review. For some of you, this will be like out from nowhere. You'll be like, "Wait, what?" Um, but it's super, super important. You know, Christianity, our faith, without an understanding of what a covenant is is really kind of odd. There's a lot of blood. You ever thought about that? There's a lot of blood in the Bible. And it's not just because of wars. It's like killing animals and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, there's, There's lots of promises and us versus them and this tribe and that tribe and there's this it can be a little weird besides the fact that it seems like about halfway through the bible the nature of god almost changes and we know that's not true but it just seems i mean you guys you read some things in the old testament part part of the bible you're like whoa god is serious and then you read some of the new testament oh okay god's god's good And, and so i'm telling you guys covenant if you can get this and we're going to spend the next three weeks on this if you can get this concept of covenant it will revolutionize the way that you pray it will revolutionize the way that you talk to other people it will revolutionize the way you respond when you go through tribulation in your life it will revolutionize all this kind of stuff because um, everything that we believe is based off of covenants now we'll be going a little fast this morning just want to go ahead and give you a heads up now my notes, including fill in the blanks, are on our app. If you go to the VFC app and you go to uh, Sunday at VFC, you'll see sermon notes. All the scripture is in there. Everything is in there, okay? So I encourage you. That's a great way uh, for you to keep up with what's going on. I'll also have stuff on the um, slide behind me. But there are three things that I want you to know. Three things. I want you to know about covenants, okay? And here's the first one. We're just going to jump right in. Is that God uses covenants to govern his relationships with humanity. God uses what's called, and I'm going to define that in a second, but God uses covenants. So when you come uh, to Scripture, when you come to Jesus, you are actually coming to him through a covenant, A covenant is governing what God does, what God doesn't do, what you are to do, and what you are not to do. So this covenant, all right, is is the framework, all right, uh, with with which our relationship with God works, okay? Now, you don't have to turn to Jeremiah 31 now because we're going to read it in just a moment. But Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 talks about an existing covenant that God has uh, with the people of Israel and that how there's going to be yet another new covenant with the people of Israel soon. And so uh, it just proves, again, it proves that there are covenants in play. Um, when I was in college, I remember one night uh, a bunch of friends were going out to go bowling, pizza, whatever, and... And there was a, a couple that was dating that wasn't there with the rest of us. And I, I turned to one of my friends. I said, hey, where's, where's so-and-so? And they said, oh, they're off having a DTR. 
Does anyone know what a DTR is? I didn't know at the time either. I was like, DTR? And they said, yeah, to find the relationship. They're gonna, they went off to talk about their relationship as boyfriend and girlfriend. I thought, wow, that's kind of weird, okay? But hey, awesome. And I heard that phrase several times uh, about dating couples. Where they, and you, you guys, you might not have known what a DTR was, but you've had one. If you've ever been in a relationship where you, where you ask the other person, so what are we? Where is this relationship headed? What am I to you and what are you to me? Like, where are we going moving forward, right? That's a DTR. Well, the covenants in Scripture define the relationship between you and God. So if you want to know where you stand with God, what's this relationship about, you need to look at your covenant, okay? So let's talk about this. Let's talk about what a covenant is. Here's my official definition for a covenant, okay? It is this. A covenant is a binding Mutually accepted arrangement that manages the relationships between individuals or groups. Okay? It's a binding, mutually accepted agreement that manages the relationships between individual or groups. Now, this is history. Like you can see covenants all throughout ancient history, especially Near East uh, history. We have records in ancient history of people making covenants like thousands and thousands of years ago. It's not just in a biblical framework that we see covenants. Okay, They exist all throughout history. And so this is not, the Bible contains covenants, but the Bible did not come up with covenants. Are you with me? Okay, and, and so we see. So any time in the ancient world, when either a tribe of people, group of people, or an individual wanted to uh, create an agreement, an arrangement between either themselves as individuals or groups, they would do a covenant. Okay, they would do a covenant. It's found all throughout Scripture. Now, that sounds that definition sounds kind of like a legal contract, doesn't it? But it's not. It's way more than that. It was way more serious than that. I mean, we get into legal contracts all the time, and we're trying to figure out how to get out of them, right? Well, a covenant, you knew going into a covenant that it was unbreakable. The only way, and this is important, we'll get to this later, the only way you can be released from a covenant is through death. It was forever. It was a forever promise. It was a forever oath. And so when you had a covenant, when you came into agreement of a covenant, that was a forever thing. It wasn't just a two-year Verizon contract that you try to get out of, okay? It was a forever decision, all right? And so that's what a covenant is, and we see these found all throughout Scripture. Now, let me, some of you, this is going to bore you. Others of you, you're going to eat this up, but I want, I need you to understand because we'll come back, we'll reference it in a little bit. There are actually three types of covenants in ancient history that we see, okay? So I want to share the three types of ancient covenants um, and give you some examples of what these look like, okay? So the first one is between equals. This is actually called a bilateral parity covenant. You don't have to know that. Just if you're interested in it, you can Google it later, okay? But that's where two people who are equals, they agree to a relationship that benefits each other, okay? 
And so this was done all over the ancient world. And we actually see several of them in scripture. We see Jonathan and David had a covenant. Abraham and Abimelech had a covenant. Jacob and Laban had a covenant. These are biblical instances where you had a, a bilateral Okay, a parody covenant where we see each other's equals and we're like, okay, we're going to do this for each other. That's the first time type of covenant. You don't have to understand everything about it, but understand that it's on equal terms. Okay, here's the next kind, and we saw this one a lot too in ancient, uh, both in the scripture and in, uh, in in the ancient world. It's between unequal parties. Unequal parties. Now, technically, this is called a suzerain vassal covenant. You don't have to know that. The suzerain is like the person in charge, and the vassal is a little person that's not in charge. Okay? So that's just a suzerainty covenant is another way of saying it. So this is where someone in charge is telling you, hey, I'm making a covenant with you, a forever covenant, but I'm in charge. You're not in charge. I am. This is, this is unilateral. It's not bilateral. In other words, there's one person that's initiating this, and they're in charge. Okay? This would be like a king and their subjects. Or this would be like a parent and a child, right? I don't know about your household, but in my household, like we make the rules, the kids don't make the rules, and we're in charge, right? And so that, that's how it works. And so um, my kids don't know, but they're in a suzerain vassal <laughs> covenant. I haven't killed any animals yet, um, now on purpose at least. There was that one goldfish. Um, but they're vassals, so if you get mad at your, at your kids, you're like, you're a vassal, you know. That's what you are. You're a vassal. You're the one, you're the object of the covenant, right? And the, the suzerain makes the covenant. Um, an example of this in Scripture is the Mosaic Covenant. So when, when God comes on Mount Sinai and the thunderings and lightnings and, and the law is given um, and the children of Israel are like, whoa, <laughs> This is intense. Moses, you go take care of this for us because we're scared, okay? And he says, you will do this, you will do this, you will do this. And they go, okay, we agree to that. There's actually an agreement, a ratification process that happens. And they say, okay, we agree to that, you know? And so that's, that's the Mosaic Covenant. That's one of the main covenants that we see in Scripture is that suzerainty covenant, okay? All right, last one. And then if you checked out, you can reengage. Last one is actually an unconditional pledge. Or, or it's technically called a promissory covenant. An unconditional pledge, um, is, it's unilateral as well. So it's one person is behind it. Um, but it's where one party pledges an unconditional promise to another. No strings attached. And, they, and, they, and they, they perform a covenant in order to say, hey, this is serious. This is forever. You can bank on it. You can count on it. I, I uh, like un, unlike the second kind of covenant between unequals, you say I will do this, and I expect this of you. Uh, an unconditional pledge says I will do this. End of story. Period. End of sentence. Okay, so that's that's an unconditional pledge. Now this is illustrated uh, the first covenant we see in script. Actually, it's not the first covenant, but the first covenant with actually it's not the first covenant with God. God Noah had a covenant, the rainbow. That was a covenant sign. Uh, but but when Yahweh and Abram get together, and 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 they form uh, a covenant between Abraham uh, and God, that is an unconditional pledge. God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you the father of many. And, and Abram was like, 
okay. I mean, there was, there was nothing on his end to do. As a matter of fact, we'll talk about cutting the covenant and what happens in just a moment. But in Genesis 15, you can read this if you want to, is actually the, the covenant terms and, and they cut the covenant together. But Abraham is watching it all. There's, there's a covenant um, a thing that happens. There, there's, a, there's a ritual that happens. And Abraham's watching it. God's actually the one doing all the work. Because it was an unconditional pledge. He was saying, I'm doing this. I'm making this covenant with you. Are you all with me? Are you all with me? Okay, good. So these are the three. We'll reference these in just a moment. But I wanted you to know that there are three different types. I also want to let you know really quickly that cutting the covenant, cutting a covenant, it was called cutting a It's kind of like cutting a deal. You ever heard that terminology? We, we still say that, well, we're going to cut a deal. Where did that come from? It came from this. It came from the idea of cutting a covenant. Now, there's a lot of stuff that happens when you cut a covenant. And it varied from, from nation to nation. And if we're talking thousands of years of history. It would obviously change some, but not a whole lot. And you're going to see some mirrors of this in our modern day culture still. So one of the things that happens, probably the most crazy aspect of a covenant, that's why they're actually known as blood covenants, is that there was always an animal sacrifice that took place. There was always blood that was spilled. They would actually take an animal and they would cut it from front to back, not side to side, like, like this. Split it in two. Right? This is why we have kids' church, by the way. Um, so I can talk about this. Uh, split it in two, and, and they would actually walk through the middle of it. I know, right? Isn't that gross? It's not just like gross to the eyes, but it would smell. Why did they do that? So you would remember it forever. If you walked through the guts of an open cow, you would remember that for the rest of your life. Right? Okay, I would too. I'm hoping it never happens. But, but it, it, was, it was to permanently ingrain. This is forever, right? A covenant is forever. It's, it's, uh, only death cancels it. So they would do a blood sacrifice. That's, that's why you see so many animals being killed in the Old Testament a lot of times. In Genesis 15, uh, God walks through the middle of that bloody sacrifice because he's making an unconditional pledge to Abram. Okay? Now, there would also be a representative. There would be a person that represented each person. So if I had a, a covenant with Eric and it was just me and Eric, we made a covenant together, then I'm my own representative, he's his own representative. But if we were parts of different tribes, ancient tribes that were coming together through covenant, we would have a covenant representative that would represent the whole group. Okay, So you have covenant representatives. You also have a covenant mark or a covenant sign. This is a mark that would be done in the body that would, that would represent, I've made a covenant, a forever promise, a forever oath to someone or a group of people. So there will always be a mark. Okay, um, Weddings or covenants. Wedding rings used to not be rings. They used to be marks on the body. Okay, That's why Tiff and I got tattoos. We weren't trying to be cool. We wanted to be biblical. I don't recommend that for everyone. Don't, um, don't think, well, I've got to get a tattoo now. You don't. But for us, that's what we wanted to do because it was a covenant mark. We've made covenant with one another. It's a forever promise. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. We also had, uh, you had stipulations or obligations. Okay, so... What's the point of the covenant? Why are we doing this? Why are we forming a bond together? All right, here are the stipulations. Here are the obligations. Here's what's expected of you. Here's what's expected of me. That would, that would be announced aloud during a covenant ceremony, okay? And then you would have blessings and curses. So the blessings and curses would say, okay, if I, if I fulfill my covenant, all these great things will happen. If I don't fulfill my covenant, all these bad things will happen, 
Okay. Again, this is all history. This is all done. No matter whether it's a, a, a bilateral or unilateral, unconditional pledge, whatever type of covenant it is, we see all of these things in here. Okay. And then last, lastly, you'd have commemorations, celebrations, remembrances. Because we don't always remember everything like we should, right? And so these covenants, they would have, they would have uh, feasts. They would have different things like that to remind them of the covenant pledge that was made. Um, it was, it's, again, marriage is a covenant. We not only have a feast right afterwards, but we, have, we celebrate the anniversary. Like, I don't remember the anniversary of when I you know, changed out my air filters. I don't celebrate that, right? It wasn't a covenant. It's just something I need to do. But my covenants, I celebrate, right? And so, so this is what a covenant was, okay? So that was all under number one. <laughs> God uses covenants uh, to govern his relationship with humanity. And now you know what a covenant is. Isn't that kind of weird? Now, now that you've seen that, you're going to see it all throughout Scripture. It's, it's all throughout the Bible is this concept of covenants. And even as you're looking at this list of things that happen, you're noticing some things that are done in Scripture that's actually just a, uh, the ceremony of the covenant. So, let me move on. All right, here's the next thing I want you to know. There are two main covenants between God and man in the Bible. There's, there's like lots of covenants listed between individuals, between all that. But there are two main um, salvific, pertaining to salvation, covenants between God and man. Okay? Two main ones. And we know them as the old and the new covenants. The old and the new covenants. Now... I usually preach from my tablet just because it's easier to navigate translations and stuff like that. I like to bounce around in translations. But this morning, um, I brought out my paper Bible with my leather, uh, that's leather bound. It's got my name on the front of it. It's, it's spelled right. That's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is the Bible. Now, if you've got a paper Bible with you, um, you'll notice that uh, about two-thirds of the way through... This, it's split. There's two sections. The Bible, okay, the Bible's not a book. It's a collection of books. 66 books in all. 27 of those, the most recent ones, are called the New Testament. And the word testament, guess what it means? Covenant. It means covenant. So the, the first two-thirds, three-fifths of, of what you know as your Bible are books pertaining to the old covenant. The second third or two-fifths of Scripture is, is called the New Testament or New, Te- New Covenant, and it's pertaining to a new covenant. Don't you think we should pay attention? We should pay attention, shouldn't we? Now, the two are related, and we'll get into that in just a second. But, but you have to be super, super careful uh, that we don't confuse the two, that we don't confuse the two. I'm going to read to you Hebrews 8, 6 through 13. It's a little bit of a longer passage. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Um, I, I'd love for you to follow along in your Bible app if you have it. Or it's in, our, it's, it's in the notes in our app, in the VFC app. You can follow along as well. If not, just listen. It'll be pretty easy to grasp. But it is a longer passage, so you'll need to kind of stay engaged. It says, but now Jesus, first of all, but now means that there was a then. But now means that there was a then. So something's changed, right? But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that's far superior to the old priesthood. That's talking about the Levitical priesthood, the Old Testament. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Remember, promises were a part 
of the covenant, right? They were these obligations and blessings and curses. These were the promises. So it's saying, hey, the new covenant is, is got better promises, a better mediator. It's a better covenant. Verse 7, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. In, in other words, th- there were problems. The first covenant was good. All right, It was good. Uh, and embracing the new covenant doesn't mean you trash the old covenant. But it means that you're building upon it. Okay, Because there were issues. Think of it like an operating system that had bugs in it. What do you do with an operating system that has bugs in it? You upgrade to the next operating system, right? Verse 8. But when God found fault with the people, he said, okay, now he's about to quote Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 that I had up there earlier. Okay? So he's going back to Scripture, and he's talking about the prophetic um, declaration that a new covenant was coming. So he quotes it. Okay, so here we go. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. So it's different. It's not like that one. It's a new one. Okay? They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. Okay, why? Because he's mean? No, because there are blessings and curses. He said, look, I will do this for you as long as you do this for me. They didn't do that for him, so he's like, okay, then you get the curses. Do you understand? God wasn't being a jerk. He was just fulfilling his covenant. Okay? Verse 10. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Verse 13, when God speaks of an end of quote, end of uh, Jeremiah quote, and then the author summarizes. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It's now out of date. And will soon disappear. You look up that phrase out of date in the Greek. It means like out of order. Not working. Not functional anymore. It doesn't function. It's not useful for functionality. It's useful for history. It's useful to go back and look. Okay this is how it was done. But it's not functional now. All right. Just like if you were to have an old Windows 98 operating system. Right, And you upgrade to Windows 10. Windows 98 is no longer functional. It's not that it didn't exist. It's not that it wasn't good. It's just not functional for you anymore. Are you with me? Okay. So I need you to see this. Everyone's under the new covenant. Isn't that what scripture says? Everyone's under the new covenant. Everyone, the, the, the new covenant um, has come and has been and is built upon the old covenant, but we don't operate under the old covenant. We operate under the new. I want to break this out for you really quickly. I'm going to go fast. Um, you're, I'm going to pause and let you take a picture of, of, the, of the thing I'm going to have in a second. But I want to walk you through differences between the old and new covenants, okay? It's, it's a big deal, okay? It's gonna, this is, if you don't like this, don't tell me because I spent like 18 hours on this chart. Tiffany was, I was, I was like, is this look, is this clear? She's like, just, it doesn't matter. No one cares. Oh, you're right. Right. She didn't say that. She's sweet, but I feel like that's what she meant. So, so the old covenant was between God and Israel. The new covenant is between God and all humanity. Now, technically it's between God and Israel. 
the new covenant is. But the problem, the thing is, is that we're all Israel when we believe. We're the true Israel. We're the sons of Abraham when we believe by faith in Jesus. Okay? So, but for understanding purposes, it's God and all humanity. Okay? So, immediate difference, right? The old covenant is with Israel. All right? If you are not Jewish, then the old covenant wasn't talking about you. It, it, God was dealing with that specific people. Now, there are types and shadows of what was to come, but, but it was specifically for those people. The new covenant, if you're a Gentile, if you're non-Jewish, you should be really, really glad there's a new covenant. Okay? So let's keep looking. All right? So the next thing, well, representatives. Well, in the old covenant, Moses was the human representative. Remember, he went up on the mountain. He got the Ten Commandments. He delivered the law, over 600 laws uh, to the Israelites. But in the new covenant, Jesus is the human representative. You ever wonder why God came as a man? Because there had to be a representative for humanity, and none of us were worthy until Jesus came. So Jesus is the representative and the mediator of a new covenant, okay? All right, let's look here. There was blood spilled. In the old covenant, there's the blood of animals that was spilled, all right? There was, there was a whole sacrifice system that was set up to atone for sin. But in the new covenant... Jesus died once and for all. He is the spotless Lamb of God. They call him the Lamb of God because he's the animal that was sacrificed for the new covenant. Okay? And so under the new covenant, Jesus does this. You're going to find in the new covenant, Jesus basically does everything. Okay? Because we, humanity needed a representative, but none of us were good enough to be representative to, to enter into this new covenant with the Father. Let's look at this. There's a mark. There's a covenant mark. There's a covenant sign. In the old covenant, the sign was circumcision. All right? There was, it was salvation by surgery, as I've heard one person call it. And so to, to show that you were in covenant with Yahweh, with God Almighty, all the guys were circumcised. Okay? If you don't know what that is, go ask your parents later. Just don't Google it. Um, just be careful. The new covenant, I mean... I can see some kids. Anyway, uh, Pastor Jamie said, ah! um, New Covenant, though, the mark of the covenant is heart change. Scripture says that we're not circumcised physically. We're circumcised spiritually. It's heart, it's heart circumcision. Our flesh is cut away spiritually. And so the mark of being a part of the New Covenant is a, is a, is a change in heart. People want you know, am I Christian? Well, do you have a change in heart? It's pretty easy, right? That's the sign. It's the mark of the, of, of the covenant that you're under. Okay? Here's the next one. Uh, obligations. Remember, there are obligations uh, that you had to fulfill in a covenant. Um, there, there were, uh, anyway, there are obligations that you had to do. So in the Old Testament, you had to keep the law, right? That was, that was what you were supposed to do. You are to keep, keep the law. That's your obligation. That was, that was the Israelites' obligation. God said, I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. I'll do all this stuff for you. But you keep the law, okay? But in the new covenant, that's not the obligation anymore. The obligation is walk in the Spirit. That's the obligation. Now you walk in the Spirit, okay? We'll talk about that more in just a sec. It's a different obligation. And then the remembrances, right? The commemorations. In the Old Testament, uh, you kept the Sabbath, and you kept the feasts, and they were commemorations of God's goodness, of his old covenant. If you want to take a picture, now's the time because this is the complete graph. Um, so it's the Sabbaths and the feasts. But in the new covenant, communion is how we remember. Do this in remembrance of me. We already did that this morning, didn't we? That's why it's such an awesome, beautiful, holy moment. Because we're remembering when Jesus said, what did he say? This is the blood of the new covenant. 
And so we remember that. We remember that by partaking in the Lord's Supper and communion. And we think, say, thank you, Lord, for your new covenant ratified in Jesus' blood. So you see the difference between the old and the new? You see this a lot of differences? They're two different covenants. Now, they pertain to the same God, right? And they pertain to a different people. It's more people. But they're different covenants. And the new covenant, uh, the old covenant had types and shadows of the coming new. Uh, but they're, they're totally different covenants. Which leads me to my last and final point, number three. You can't mix covenants. You can't mix covenants. This isn't Arby's. Five for five, mix and match roast beef. This isn't Burger King. You can have it your way. Evidently, I'm hungry right now. I'm using fast food. But you can't mix covenants, okay? We can't do that. I want to read 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11 uh, first. And I want to say this too. The old covenant, you remember we talked about the three different types of covenants. The, the, the old covenant was a unilateral, uh, the suzerain vassal, the, the king and the subject, the parent and the child. But the new covenant is, is, is a, uh, it's unilateral, but it's, it's an uh, unconditional pledge. It's an unconditional pledge where God, I mean, the Father and Jesus did the whole thing together. I mean, there's no work you can do for your salvation. And so the, the new covenant, um, it, it, it was done, it was a to, it's a different type of covenant. And of course you can't mix those two, okay? Scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. There was nothing, he, he didn't say, if you do this, I'll do this. He said, no, I'm doing this. And then, after I do this, you'll be able to walk holy. But since you can't, I'm going to die for the ungodly. I'm going to die without expectation, he also says, no longer do I call you servants, vassals, right? No longer do I call you servants, but what do I call you, friend? We're now, it's, we're now on equal footing. Isn't that interesting? Different covenant altogether. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11 again. Large passage, New Living Translation. Feel free to follow along. It says, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Now, the New Living is interested in making sure you understand the point. But the New King James, King James versions of the Bible are actually uh, a little bit, it's a different type of translation that's word for word. In, first, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7, the Apostle Paul calls the old law the ministry of death. That's what he calls it here. The, the New Living kind of tones it down a little bit. But it's, you can look it up. It's called the ministry of death written on tablets. Now, what was written on tablets? The law. Right? So, we're talking about the Old Covenant. It says, The old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel couldn't bear to look at Moses' face. His face shone with the glory of God, even through the brightness, even though the brightness was already fading away. When Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, he came back, his face was glowing, people were freaked out, so he wore a veil. I don't know if you know that story, but pretty funny. I'd be freaked out too, like, dude, what, what happened? Verse 8, Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way? Now that the Holy Spirit is giving life, if the old way, which brings condemnation, again, the New King James says the ministry of condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all, compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? You can't, can't mix these covenants, you guys. 
They're two different. One is in the letter of the law. One is in the letter of the, is the spirit. Okay? One is written down for you. Uh, and there are instructions for you. The other one, the Holy Spirit, speaks to you. Okay? Uh, let's also look here um, at, at Romans 7, 1 through 6. So how do you get out of one covenant into another? This explains that, is you die. You have to die. Remember, a covenant's forever. The only way you're released from a covenant is through death, right? Okay? So in order to come from the old covenant to the new covenant, from your old life to the new life, you have to die. Okay? Romans uh, 7, 1 through 6 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law. Okay, that's, that's you. As a matter of fact, in the Bible that you carry around, whether in your pocket or in, or in a book, it's got all the Old Testament law. Okay? And y'all know it. Y'all can, most of y'all can probably quote Ten Commandments. Okay? So, so you're familiar with the law. Now, he's specifically referencing Jews here, the, the people of Israel. But, but for us, I believe that we should listen to this because we're very familiar with the law. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of teaching that's tried to mix and match the Old and New Testaments. So, so, so I want you to hear this. This is, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and doesn't commit adultery when she remarries. This is, he's not talking about marriage. He's talking about covenants. But he's using marriage as an example. He's saying, okay, look, let me, let me draw an analogy here. Okay, if you're married, you're supposed to be married until death do you part, right? Okay, so, so if, if you are with someone else while you're married, you're breaking the covenant. But if your spouse passes away, you can remarry without guilt. Are you with me? Everyone knows that, right? He's saying that's the same way. It's the same with the old and new covenants. Verse 4, so in light of this, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are, you are united with the one who was, who was raised from the dead, that's Jesus. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now... There was a then, now there's a now. We have been released from the law. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. The way that you please God, now hear me, is not by following the law. When you try to go back to the law, you're trying to go back to an old system, and you're, trying, you're eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The way that you make God happy, you do good things, you work works of righteousness, is by walking in the Spirit. Is by, is it, think of the old law as the map. Does anyone still use a map? Okay, you need to get GPS if you do. I feel like you haven't tried GPS if you're on a map. If the old covenant and its laws are the map, then the new covenant is the GPS. Where the Holy Spirit is saying, turn here, turn there, turn there. You arrive at the destination of righteousness, but you're doing it through relationship instead of rules. And we get confused sometimes. We feel guilty and religion tries, is, is nipping at our heels and saying, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Of course you're not good enough. If you're good enough, I mean, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. 
But the way that we are holy and righteous, righteousness has been conferred on us, has been given to us. And the way we walk out our holiness, you are holy when you act like you're righteous. When you act like the righteousness you've been given, okay? But it's not through obeying this law anymore. It's through listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's why, it's, that's why we talk about the Holy Spirit so much. It's not just because, like, ooh, Holy Spirit. No, he's your teacher. He's your guide. He's the way you walk, you live. The end of Galatians 5, the, the, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are listed. And it says, then, therefore, let us live in the Spirit. That's how we are supposed to live, not according to the old law. It's, 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 it's obsolete. It's been replaced. It's been built upon. It's not that the, the instructions in the law are wrong. It's that it's the wrong way of obeying them. Does that make sense? You're now building on top. It's the map and the GPS. It's just a totally different. Well, you can't, if, you, if your GPS is turning you to turn right, and you're trying to look at the map and say, well, I thought this said turn left, then you're confused, and so many people are walking in life that way. Fold up the map. You can reference it sometimes. But you know what? It's all about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and obeying him. You die to the old so you can walk in the new. That means if you're Jewish or you're aware of the old covenant, you die to the old covenant to embrace the new. If you're a Gentile, which is the vast majority of you, you die to your flesh, your sinful nature, to embrace the new. Either way, there's death. There's a death process that releases you from the old way into the new way. Whether that old way is the law or whether that old way is living by your flesh. Either way, you need to die. You need to die so that you're released from that old relationship so you can come into relationship with Jesus. And that's my question for you this morning is are you living in God's new covenant? Are you trying to mix the covenants? Are you confused about what was to whom and who was to what? Look, they're totally different covenants. Totally different covenants. I want to see you guys free. Now, whenever you talk about this kind of stuff, and maybe this has been the back of your head, the question has been, is, well, what about sin? What about sin? What about sin? What about sin? And if that's what you've been thinking this whole time, then you probably grew up in a very sin-conscious religious church. And I'm sorry for that. Sin is still sin. What's wrong is still wrong in both covenants. Following the voice of the Holy Spirit and not following the law does not mean that you sin. It means that you don't sin a different way. And so what we are called to do is to live in the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus, it sets us free from the law of sin and death. It's a better way. It's what you were made to do. You can't follow the law anyway. So I know this has been a lot. I've like splatter painted y'all with covenant this morning. But we're going to move forward from this, and we're going to talk about the covenant relationships, how to operate in a covenant relation in light of this covenant, this new covenant. And then we're going to talk about covenant promises. Y'all, y'all, y'all going to be like jumping and, and shouting when you see, in light of this covenant, if you'll walk in this new covenant, the stuff that God is giving you is unbelievable. And you can walk in the victory you've always longed to. Amen? All right, let's stand for prayer. Y'all close your eyes. Just take a moment. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to learn from this? What are you saying to me through this? Maybe you can ask him, am I trying to walk in the old covenant even though I'm in the new? Am I confusing the two? 
Or maybe, maybe you should ask him this, Lord, am I thinking that walking in the new covenant means I get to sin? Because that's not true. Let him speak to you. Maybe you're not aware of any covenant. You've never, you've never come into covenant relationship with God. That's how he comes into relationship with people. And you're like, you know what? I need to become a part of this. Here's how you enter the new covenant. You believe in Jesus Christ and you follow him. You repent of your own ways. You die. And you pick up his way. If you will, pray this prayer to me. I want everyone to pray this, okay? Say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you through your new covenant. I understand that you have made an unconditional pledge to me. That makes me want to follow you. So I throw off the old and I put on the new. And I commit to live my life by the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.